Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Being Trans. You know, um, the excitement of this past few months has been everything keeps changing. Sometimes just when you get into a pattern of where you're happy, get into a pattern where you're excited about how life is going for you, something random just sort of goes, hey, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with your life. Now, don't get me wrong, I do like a bit of excitement. And I do like a bit of mystery. And sometimes change is good. So, I was sitting here today, and I'm, as I do, I go through news, and I find out what's new, and what what's going on. God darn it, I've got allergies like crazy. I have been struggling for the last three days, trying to keep my nose on my face. Doesn't always work. Um, but I came across something today, and there's a... I live in Tasmania, and there was this uh, gentleman called Brian Carlton. And, you know, I've had a few talks with Brian over the years. Um, we've not always seen eye to eye. I do have a lot of respect for him, but not always seen eye to eye. Um, but in saying that, it doesn't mean I hate the man. Okay? I, I'm far from it. Not There's... Not a bit of dislike towards him. I think he's a fantastic um, individual with an opinion that in so many ways differs from mine. But in some ways, he's pretty spot on. And he was able to talk about certain things that a lot of people aren't willing to talk about. And when you come right down to that whole thing of, are you willing to talk about the uncomfortable points? Are you willing to face them? Well, Brian did ask a lot about uncomfortable points. And at the same time, he faced things that people don't want to face. And he brought them to the light. And sometimes his opinion um, folded into those conversations. Whether good, bad, it doesn't really matter. They were his opinion, and he was he was allowed to have them. It was his show, and his show, his opinions paid for bills, and they paid to employ people. So what we found out today is that Brian is leaving Tasmania Talks. And I, in citing personal issues. Okay. I saw Brian a couple of days ago. He didn't look very healthy. And Brian is the atypical old-fashioned broadcaster who probably smoked quite a bit during his younger years on behind the, behind the microphone and he probably has something going on health-wise. It's a possibility. If it's not, well, Maybe his personal issues are just personal issues like he wants to retire. If it is, maybe he is not feeling well. And as a person who um, would like to wish him all the best in his future, because he is a very talented individual. 
despite what you think of him. And I, I, I sincerely do. I, I, you know, I've, I've stood on one side of the microphone when he's on the other side of the microphone and we've had conversations and, and that, that is been an absolute joy to have conversations with Brian and we've had him in the public and we've, you know, um, we bumped into each other and said hi and, and had wonderful conversations out in the public. And it, it's just been a real joy. Sad to see him go, but I do wish him all his best. On this side of the microphone, it's a little bit different because I am not a professional broadcaster. I'm a podcaster. And yeah, tell me, I would love the opportunity to go back into broadcasting. I'm going to watch it if that um, if an opportunity arises and I can make it uh, an interview or get back into it. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I'd probably want to do it with a co-host so that there was a, a, a tag team. So you, you could bring up the one person's opinion is always one sided. Okay. And then you always bring in another, another person who has their opinion about the subject. But having a third person in there brings this, uh, this wonderful mix of opinions. Sometimes they may gel, sometimes they may not gel. And that I would love to see. I would love to see a, th- uh, um, a radio talk show that was... More based around multiple voices instead of just one voice that invites someone in to come in. Um, but either way, you know, it will we'll get what we'll get. Um, I will keep my eyes open. If I do see it, I might just apply for it. We'll see. We never know where it could go. Might be quite fun to be behind the microphone again. Could you see that? That would be quite fun. I had a lot of fun when I did it when I was younger. I have fun with these podcasts. They're uh, quite lovely. Um, but I guess where, where we would be saying is, where could we take today's conversation? Um, I tried two other times uh, this week to build on a starting point of talking about love. Because it's a very difficult subject when it comes to being trans. Some of the losses that the trans community feel is up to 95% loss of people you thought cared about you or you care about. And all of a sudden they're gone. And how do we deal with that? And the, and the sadness and grief that comes from such a loss or the loss of a loved one who we thought was going to be there. Who told us they were going to be there for us. And then one day they're not there. Because they really could not handle the transition. Or you're dating someone. And they know you're trans. But eventually it starts to wear on them. And they can't handle it. Because you can never have a child or 
They get pressure from peers. Oh, you're just dating a guy who had a surgery to turn himself into a woman. And, and, and that can be very traumatic. It can be very high pressure. And I speak from, from experience. You know, um, I lost a lot of my family members. I lost a lot of my friends. You know, I, I walked away with maybe 10 to 15 friends and acquaintances when I stepped out of the shadows. 10 to 15. Five super, super close friends who would have done anything for me in the world. One girlfriend who, I, I use the term girlfriend fairly loosely, but she, her and her husband were just, are just amazing individuals, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for them. And she was there for me. And I've met a lot of other people along the way that have replaced those people, but I've also noticed that they're, that it, it at the time when I lost all those people, I thought to myself, oh, you know, I was part of a religious group that is known for being very staunch in its approach to the LGBT community. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, this is par for the course. I should expect that I was going to lose all these connections. Or they were going to look down upon me and I didn't want to be around them or whatever. And I tried after I first stepped out of the shadows to go to church and just be there, but it wasn't going to work for me. I just could not reconcile it. And then I started, you know, having my own personal, um, walk with God slash Jesus slash belief slash whatever you want to call it. And I started looking and I started reading and I started looking at other religions and I started looking at how did I want to be linked with my maker? Because I do believe there is somebody greater than myself. I, I just, I really do have that sense and that feeling. Whether or not it's a big mysterious guy in the cloud, or it's actually a woman who is trying to do her best, watching over her children as best as she can, but letting us make our own mistakes. <laughs> or maybe it's just a disconnected person that breath breathed life into the start of us and has just walked away. I don't know. But as I, as I looked at this subject of love, I kind of looked at the idea of why are we so scared? And then I come back to the idea that you are at that crossroad of trying to decide if your happiness, so like right now, my happiness my core happiness is more important than the, the role that I played to try and please everyone, including myself, which was a very big role. And I have to say it was a role because I acted. I acted a lot trying to be something I wasn't. 
And that's really hard for people to come to terms and understand, even those that are supposed to be your loved ones. They don't understand that that act wasn't a lie. It was trying to appease so many different things at the same time. And when you tell them you love them, it did not change the fact that you did love them. Or you still do. It doesn't change it. What it does change is the physical aspect of that love. Yeah, if you get surgery and you lose your penis, or you lose your vagina, it makes it a tad bit difficult to carry on with the same type of physical intimacy unless that person that you're partnered with is strong enough, caring enough, loving enough to accept you for you. But the odds are, unfortunately, not in the favor of the trans person. Because, like I said, once again, we come back to that whole thing of peer pressure is a mighty, mighty big killer of relationships. Um, and that peer pressure can come from family members, it can come from co-workers, it can come even from your own self. And that's very difficult. That pressure that you that all those sources can apply to a relationship does not help it. And so you end up losing... Or I wouldn't want to say losing. I would almost say giving up on love for the issue of peer pressure or pressure that you've created. And what could have been won't exist because, well, the problem is it's impossible for it to. No one can... No one can fix something that broken because it, it either the person has to be honest with the trans person and say, look, you know, I love you and I love you no matter what. Or they have to bow out. And if they bow out, they're in a catch-22. The trans person will be hurt. And probably will be unable to or unwilling to look at that individual who left the relationship in the same light. Because it is very difficult that if you're with a person that you've invested so much time in and all of a sudden something changes and they can't handle it and they take off, it can be very gut-wrenching. It can be very hurtful. And even though, even even if let's say they didn't take off, they became violent or they became um, an asshole because of this issue that you have brought to the relationship. Even though they have had their own issues and you stood by them, it can be very difficult. And people say, "Oh, well, love's got to be strong." No, it isn't always strong. In fact, love is one of the most weakest emotions. Because humans are weak. The ideal that, that love is super strong is flawed. Because we are flawed. 
we look at what we want to have as love, as long as that love and that ideal of love is, I won't say perfect, but as close to our ideals and our dreams as possible. And that can be very difficult for some people because you have an idea of what you want your spouse to look like, what you want your spouse to behave like, what you want your spouse to be. And if you change that environment in any way, it changes your approach to love. Case in point, my, I, I, I really don't like using um, examples that come from my own personal life. But I, I know of somebody who was together with a person for a number of years. And then all of a sudden that person just stopped going to church with them. Completely refused to go. Would give no reason, no rhyme, nothing. But wouldn't go anymore. And their church beliefs were, their their family structure was based around this church. Their, um, everything that they had known for close to 30 years had been solidly built around this church. But now this person just all of a sudden doesn't want to go, doesn't want to engage, doesn't want to be a part of. And what happened to that family was so, you could see it happening. It was like in a slow motion film, you know, something you just knew that that was going to crash, two cars coming, and you could see the crash coming. And each car, as they first connected and the crumpling started to begin, and how everything, you knew it was going to fold together. And you knew that the damage was going to be done. And it did. And now, both people are fine people, even to this day. Um, great people have nothing wrong with them. Can't can't find flaws within whom they are as individuals. Put them together, they are an absolute nightmare of a of a couple. Why? Where did it start? Well, from people who are on the outside, we see it as, you know, a difference of an opinion. Should that have destroyed their marriage? No, but it did. Could have then could have there been a solution, a workaround? Well, not always. Because when you have a set of beliefs so powerful as religion can be, or um, what we want our love or our relationship to be, a big change can really rock it. There was a, a movie called The Black Balloon. And it was about a family that lost a child and eventually it destroyed the relationship. 
speaking from personal experience, losing a child at any stage is very, very difficult. Even, even from a late miscarriage can still be very, very difficult. I don't handle loss like a lot of people. My ideals around death, um, my connection with remorse around people who have passed away, my, my link is not there. I rarely, and I do mean rarely, have ever cried at a funeral. I can name the three times it's happened. Three times. One was a really close friend. His name was Alan. And uh, he's passed, so we won't, we won't worry about him getting upset for me using his name. But Alan was a good soul. He was honest and caring and loving and compassionate and... He was what I thought a father could be. He was what I thought a father should be. He wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong. And I learned a lot from Alan. And I took aboard so much in my style of parenting from what Alan taught me. But he passed away. It was a peaceful... I mean, I was very, very blessed to have that feeling, hey, I should go see my friend Alan. And within the next day, he was dead. But I got to see him before he passed away. I loved Alan. He was a person that touched my life. And I wept. I felt my heart actually break for his loss. One other time that I actually felt the world stop was with a lovely woman. Her name was Helen Meyer. And she was glorious and such a beautiful soul inside and out. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to tell you a little bit about what made my sense of loss and love for Helen. And then we'll go a little bit further and how we're going to link this to being trans. So, take a break, come back, grab a drink, and let's finish this conversation. Once again, thank you for listening to Being Trans. Welcome back to Being Trans. Um, today, we were going to talk about love. Um, and I left you with talking about a woman I once knew that actually reshaped my ideas on a number of things. She was a beautiful, beautiful woman. 
and I truly respect her. Even in death, she is still an amazing woman. As I've said, I really don't have that thing where I crawl into a, a, a heap and cry about people who pass away. I used to be a um, an undertaker at one point. I used to dig graves for a living during my college years or university years, whatever you want to call it. And as such, I've seen a lot of funerals and I've seen a lot of people go straight through the floor at love at the loss of a loved one. And for me, that just isn't there. It just isn't there for me, except for three people. And I told you about Alan. Now I'm going to tell you about Helen Meyer. I met Helen when I was young. I was only about 13, yeah, maybe 13 years old the first time I met Helen. She was an interesting, interesting woman. Something about her captured my attention. She was very ill. And she battled her illness. And I don't recall what it was. But in the end, it, it killed her. Um, and it was sad that it did. It was sad that she passed away. And... She changed my thoughts on who I was at the time. She didn't know I was trans, but I'll guarantee you if she'd known that I was trans, she would have been standing right beside me with a baseball bat making sure that no one hurt me. She always cared for me. She always told me she loved me and always had a hug for me and took me as I was. I mean, it wasn't hard to see that I was not n the same as everybody else. My parents didn't really have a clue, but Helen had to have known. Because she was not a stupid woman. She was very switched on. She was never a bigot. She was never homophobic. She was never anything. She was just a kind, kind soul. And when she passed away... It felt like my world had ended. It felt like there was no point. I was grown. I had children of my own. And I had been away at business and moved back to... Um, a town I called home, where my parents lived. And I don't have a lot of like for that town, because I really didn't have um, a, a solid bond with that town. And as a result, I... There was, there was just nothing there for me, and Helen was gone, and it was like another part of my reason for being in that town was slowly going away. 
She was that beautiful of a person. She wasn't young <laughs> by any means. You know, old enough, I think, probably to have been my grandmother. But she was just magical. At every breath of life, she was magical. And the last person, her name was May. My daughter's middle name is May, named after this woman. And the reason for it is she was, I only met her a handful of times. She was really lovely. She was quite lovely. But she battled a demon of depression and lost. Because there was no one around to show that compassion, that love, that that caring ear when it was needed most. In fact, her husband caused a lot of the problems himself. But that's a topic for someone else, not for me. May committed suicide. And that was the greatest loss of a beautiful person that I have ever known. She was really a lovely soul. I mean, just so happy to see you every time. One day she loaded rocks in a coat. I mean, lots of rocks. Stepped into a river and drowned herself. And she was gone. I think to myself, and I think to the loss that I could have been her. And I think that really hit home because I finally found what kept me here on earth. And it wasn't a person. It wasn't anything. It was just the hope for a better day. I found that. And there was nobody else to help me find that. Yeah, I had a counselor, but wasn't really the world's greatest counselor. Wasn't something that I was linked to that kept me here was just that sense for a better day. And that better day was actually coming out. It was just stepping out so very slowly and fighting and scratching its way to be honest with everybody and everything. But it just took a long time to do it. Being trans is never easy. That loss of loved ones. I, my mom passed away. In 2016, still angry at me for being different. I didn't cry. I didn't weep. I didn't feel sorry that she passed. I forgave her before she passed. I had my sister put the phone to her ear and I forgave her for everything. And she still... You could tell by the tone of the grumbling and everything that she still wasn't happy with me. And that's okay. I, I, 
I released our issues. And since then, I really haven't had any contact with any of my family in the U.S. except for my nephew, who I, I, I watch his Facebook feeds and I watch how he's doing because I'm proud of him. I really, really am. Um, but I really haven't had any contact with my family in the U.S. And really, it is sad. It's a sense of loss that is there that is palatable. But you can't... You don't feel like you would if somebody passed away. You don't feel that sense of deep regret, that sense of deep, uh, that, that, that huge sense of loss. It's just not there. I don't have it. And I've looked and I've soul searched and I've read about it and I've done everything I could to see why I am just not that sad about it. It's not that they didn't matter to me at some point in my life. It's not that we don't have some interesting memories that we could share. Wait, we really don't. My sisters and I don't have memories that we can really share. There's really not a lot because... We never availed ourselves to be special to each other. And I guess that if you looked at it at some point, they might say, oh, but you were special to us. But you weren't special to me. And that's a horrible thing to say, but it's also... It's also very telling of an interesting situation that existed in my family and will never be able to change. Um, and as I've said, it, it's not something that many will understand. It's not something that even I fully understand, but that uh, inability to, to really say that this loss of love was detrimental, it just isn't. Alan was a horrible loss to me. Here recently, his wife moved um, to go live with her children because she's getting up there in years and being close to family, they kind of felt that that was the best thing for her, and so did I. And I feel that loss. I feel that sense of she's gone. She's not here. I can't talk to that person by simply driving over and saying, Hi! Because she's not. And she still holds that sense of warmth in my heart, the same as her husband did. I don't know what will happen when she passes away. I don't... It's... I don't know where that's going to lead us as um, individuals. 
Um, I don't know where it's going to lead lead me and my issues with remorse and loss and mourning. I, I just don't. But I will say this much, and I, and I, I really do mean it. I think that the more the trans community exists and we start to get an understanding of who we are as individuals, the more we will have to face this conversation of love. Because for me, I look at it and I say, yeah, I would love to be in a relationship again. I would love to come home and receive a hug. I'd love to go on walks with that person. Like I went on a walk today for over an hour. It was a glorious walk. It was a nice stroll and everything. Had a wonderful time. Even though it was still close to full rain, it was drizzling. It was beautiful. And I love the rain. I love the rain. There's just something about it. it, it, it it's something that I, I know that anybody that's from Seattle will think I'm absolutely crazy, but I miss the Pacific Northwest and Seattle. Especially when it's raining. It's just something about that place. It's annoying when it rains there. You, you know it is raining. Here, when it rains, there's an occasional time that I get a flashback that, yeah, I miss Seattle rain. And today, as I was walking, I was missing that. And I was missing that spot of love that I have for the Pacific Northwest. I was... As I was saying, is we we got to come back to that whole look of 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 love, and yeah, I would love to have someone to do that with again. But I don't think I will be able to find someone like that, and I've been trying to slowly come to terms with that reality. Because the last person I gave my heart to not only ripped it out of me, but trampled it and beat it into the ground in so much that I'm actually scared to get into another relationship because of that individual. I have dealt with what I can deal with on that individual. I have dealt with finding forgiveness in my heart for that individual's actions. I have dealt with trying to come to peace in terms with what took place. And I'm a firm believer that you need to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to move on. Um, yeah, my family was horrible behind closed doors in so many ways. And I forgive them. I, I wish them all the best. You know, my sisters outed me. Okay, I forgive you. I won't forget, but I'll forgive you. And if you want to have a place in my life, all you have to do is apologize. Will that happen? <laughs> not in a million years. It's not going to happen. And I'm okay with that. I realize that. I understand that that's just not... A reality. Would I love to be able to sit down at a 
family reunion and just be accepted for me? Yeah, I would love that beyond words. But I am not on their lips. And I am not on my ex-partner's lips except for visceral issues. And that's okay. I have lived with far, far worse. And I've dealt with far worse. You know, I, I, I think that it is something that we we have to come to terms with as a trans community that we possibly will never be in another relationship again. That it that finding someone to love us for whom we are for who we are and what we are, what we have as a future for a relationship is going to be very difficult. The pressures that are put upon other people to be in a relationship with us is so very, very great. You have the media telling people that we're evil and we're horrible, and you have people that are just plain assholes, like those that call themselves TERFs or we call them TERFs, or whatever. Let's let's stop using the word homophobic, transphobic, or anything kind of phobic. Let's just call it what it is. You're an asshole. And there are people out there that are assholes, and they will make it hard on other people to find a reason to love someone like us. And it's very difficult to accept that. I do my best. My kids are with me when my kids are not with me. I do my best to be a very good person in society. I do my best to be who I am. I am honest. And if you don't like my honesty, well, maybe you don't like honesty at all. Maybe you want to be lied to. Maybe you're unable to find love yourself and love yourself I love who I am now and it took me a long time to get here and that's a hard fact for for trans people it you end up hating yourself at some times you you hate the fact that you can't be like everyone else because you're not like everyone else and it's so blindingly so you look in the mirror and you realize you are nothing like anyone else and it can't change and it won't change and even if you find that compassion for who you are you're still staring down that same mirror you're still staring down that people hate you for just being alive people don't love you people won't love you because they can't love something that is different. And that's a very hard, hard um, self-realization for a lot of people. They, they, 
they don't want to be that person that um, that has to face that dark reality that they are unable to give love to another person. It's hard as a reality for every trans person that's out there to realize that we may possibly never have a romantic relationship. We may be single for the rest of our lives. And the only ones that will love us will be the children that we have somehow brought into this world or our friends. Or some of us may not even have that. And so they feel that they are alone. They feel that they are uncared for. And they live a lonely existence. And I feel for them. I've walked in your shoes. I've had to come to terms with that myself. I've had to come to terms that I will probably end this life single. I've had to come to terms that if I meet my maker, what I've got to say is not very nice. I don't think I'll go to hell for it because I've led a good life after I stopped making so many horrific mistakes. I've cleaned up and I've made my wrongs right as best as I could. And I apologize to those that I hurt. And if the maker doesn't like me, well, it won't be a shock. But I honestly don't think that's the case. Because I had a rainy day today. And it was beautiful. And I was able to walk to the store enjoying such a glorious day of rain. With every drop that hit my umbrella, with every sense of smell of the fresh grass and the wonderful trees and the gum trees and the eucalypts. <sighs> With the freshness that comes with the rain, I was happy. And that, that is the love that I have. And if I get old, oh, I'm 50 now, if I get old, shit. Uh, if I get older, say 80, and my kids can find it in their hearts to take me back to Montana or even to Canada, to the Glacier National Forest, I will be in heaven once more. Have a good day. Wow, I'm actually missing Montana. <sighs> See, that's weird.
I have a connection more to physical places like Montana than I do people dying. Oh my gosh, I'm a hopeless. <laughs> have a wonderful day and thanks for listening to Being Trans. Take good care of yourself and if you feel lonely, know that you're not alone. There are people who do care for you. You may not find a lover. You may not find someone to give physical intimacy to. But there are those who do love you. Sometimes there's places that you love that will make up. There are experiences like the rain that are so glorious and so wonderful that the loss of not having a love, a person to love intimately means very, very little. It was a beautiful day, a beautiful walk, and I enjoyed it so beautifully. We'll talk to you later. Bye now. Do you know today could have been brought to you? By you, for you, from me. I could be saying your name right now and saying thank you for sponsoring my show. As low as $3 a month, I can continue to do this. I can continue to bring you episodes. All you have to do, because it's less than a cup of coffee. Come on cup of coffee, or something to listen to where we can have wonderful conversations. How many cups of coffee do you have a day? It's not much. Low is $3 a month at www.patreon.com forward slash Alina Robbins, A-L-E-A-N-A-R-O-B. I-N-S. You can sponsor me. And I'd love to have you. And I'd love to say today's episode was brought to you in part by you. Have a great day. Keep a smile on your face. We'll talk again later. <laughs>